I think that like Rabbi Shifman was saying, incorporating positive psychology with Torah and with the Jewish values and ideals and teachings that we have is also a way in which you get everyone excited about it, students and teachers. Welcome to PrismaCast, the podcast of Prisma Center for Jewish Day Schools. My name is Rachel Dratch, Associate Director of Educational Innovation here at Prisma, and this podcast is part of an amazing series called Startup Day School, envisioned and produced by Mr. Josh Gold, who is not only the middle school principal at the Hafter School in Lawrence, New York, but is also pursuing a doctorate at Yeshiva University. Without further ado, here's Josh with Startup Day School. Welcome back to the Startup Day School. My name is Joshua Gold. Uh, I am very happy to be hosting today uh, two incredible, incredible uh, people in the field of uh, psychology, psychology in education, uh, two incredible people. The first one is my guest, Dr. Mordechai Schiffman, uh, a psychologist by training, also an assistant professor at Azrieli Graduate School, Yeshiva University, uh, an assistant rabbi at the Kingsway Jewish Center, and also uh, he is in private practice in Brooklyn. Welcome to the show, Dr. Schiffman. Uh, and also, uh, not only an incredible person, but also a colleague of mine uh, here at Hafter Middle School, Dr. Yali Wurzberger. Uh, Dr. Wurzberger is the Director of Guidance at Hafter, uh, Hafter Middle School. She is an Assistant Clinical Professor at Toro College and is also in private practice uh, in Cedarhurst in the Five Towns on Long Island. Uh, welcome both of you uh, to the Startup Day School. We are so excited to have you both here. And today's topic, today's uh, episode, we are going to be talking about positive psychology, uh, a very, very, um, I would say, implication-rich uh, space that uh, many schools are getting into now, but these are two folks who are really on the cutting edge of positive psychology and all the benefits it can have in school. Um, so let's jump right in. Dr. Wurzberger, Dr. Schiffman, can we, uh, for those who aren't as familiar, can you tell us what is positive psychology? So absolutely. I'll talk a little bit about what positive psychology is and also what it is not. I think both of those things are equally important. So for many years, psychology really operated from a disease model. Psychology believed that the people that they would treat are people who are really struggling, struggling with things like anxiety and depression. And psychology said, our goal is to help you get better, not necessarily to thrive and live your best life, but to get better. And along came someone named Martin Seligman. Morton Seligman, one day he tells this story about how he was always a very grouchy person by nature. And one day he's out in the garden and he's weeding and he takes this work very seriously. And his five-year-old daughter, Nikki, comes up to him and she says, Dad, can I help you weed? And he says, absolutely. He says, but Nikki, you have to be careful. Um, don't touch the flowers. Don't touch the roses. Very carefully get rid of the weeds and put them in this garbage bag here. So five-year-old Nikki's all excited to work with dad and help dad. And she's weeding, but then flowers get thrown out and weeds are sprawled all over the garden. Martin Seligman looks at Nikki and says, Nikki, I told you, you have to be careful. And five-year-old Nikki looks at dad and she says, dad, I just turned five. I told myself when I turned five that I'll stop whining all the time. And I did stop whining. Dad, if I can stop whining, you can stop being such a grouch. And Martin Seligman says that this kind of led to a transformation of him developing the field of positive psychology, which looks at not how can we take people who are struggling and help them get better, 
but how can we take every person and help them thrive, help them live their best self and help them maximize their potential? And I think that is really the broad introduction of what positive psychology is. What positive psychology is not is positive thinking. Think good and things will be good. Positive psychology is not, let's push away negative emotions and only focus on positive ones. Mm. Positive psychology is about, let's think about how we can maximize our lives. Let's think about how we can be our best selves by paying attention to our emotions, both, both positive and negative ones. That's a very broad instruction. And I know that Rabbi Schiffman will have a lot more to add. And Dr. Schiffman, do you find that uh, folks are familiar with what positive psychology is? And to Dr. Wurzberger's point, do you find that there are misconceptions out there about what it is and what it's not? Sure. I mean, I think that the, broadly speaking, in the field of uh, the way that the press handles positive psychology, especially in the beginning, was more of a positive thinking type of, of approach. And, and the psychologists and the, the researchers and the uh, the uh, the writers of the field itself are trying to shift away towards that. Uh, there's two ways to look at positivity or happiness. And, and one way is to look at just sort of pleasure, hedonic pleasure that we have. Um, and the other is, and this goes back to, to ancient Greece, is eudaimonia, which is sort of a well-being, a, a life well-lived. And in the beginning, there was a little bit too much focus on the pleasure aspect of positive psychology. And over time, and if you track Seligman's books from his uh, first one on positive psychology, Authentic Happiness, the second one was Flourish, you see a transition. He makes it explicit that we're not only focusing on feeling good, but we're focusing on living a, a meaningful life. And the he developed a uh, an acronym called PERMA, which has five levels to it in terms of things, target areas that we want to improve, whether it's adults or children. Uh, but it relates to a positive emotion, which we want to increase that. doesn't mean you can't live with negative emotion. We need to learn how to manage and validate and accept negative emotions as well. And whenever I like that point to tell over, I usually use Inside Out, uh, the Pixar movie, as an example of that it's important to feel, not to, spoiler alert, not to give away too much, but uh, for those who know, uh, who don't know, you should see it and what's taking you so long. But those who, who haven't, uh, who have, you know, it's the meaning of validating negative emotions. And if you try to run away from negative emotions, that could have a, a bad effect as well. So you have to, you have to know how to deal, validate, accept, and, and manage negative emotions. But that being said, there is an importance to focusing and trying to augment positive emotions as well. So that's one, one stage of it. Then there's engagement in life, positive relationships, um, meaning, and, and then accomplishments around out the, the PERMA. So it's, it's really a multifaceted faceted way of looking at how to go from what we would, uh, as, as, he, as Seligman writes, a, you know, as Dr. Wurzberger said uh, beautifully, you know, he formulated it as, psychology focuses on going from a minus seven to a minus two. Well, he wants to deal with people who are a plus two and bring them to a plus seven. Uh, so by using and engaging these five, five pillars of PERMA, as well as using our strengths, our character strengths and virtues, which is another big aspect of positive psychology, that's really the way uh, to, to do that. So the, the focus has been to sort of reformulate and, and not focus on positive thinking, but rather to uh, engage all of these aspects of life. And sometimes struggles, resilience, failures is all part of, can be part of positive psychology as well, in terms of how to, to grow from those experiences. 
Yeah, I think to that point, I, I've said on the podcast before that I grew up in a house where Carl Rogers was a big name. My mom is a student of Carl Rogers, and Carl Rogers is part of the humanistic movement, along with like Maslow and some of the folks who sort of uh, laid the, the groundwork for what Seligman's work would be, I think, building upon. And part of the framework that I grew up with was like Carl Rogers' whole thing was that, you know, the client-centered approach as opposed to the patient-centered approach is we're not looking to figure out like what's wrong with you. Because I think that when folks internalize that, like as students, as well as adults, anyone, if we're looking for what's wrong with you, the internalized message is something is wrong with me, as opposed to my, my, my well-being. there's an innate uh, uh, desire for my, you know, my mind and body and spirit to be well. Right. And our goal is to try to figure out sort of what the roadblocks are to that so that I can kind of uh, actualize myself. And I think to that point, the balance that we want to achieve, whether it's in school or otherwise, is I think we don't want folks to, to say that this, uh, this, this discipline is simply a tool for me to sort of like extract things from life. I want to get as much happiness out of life or as much positivity as I can. I think that that is a dangerous message, not a dangerous message, but certainly not the ideal message for kids. I think rather if we can frame it as a this is a framework that you can use to, again, actualize may not be the word we use for kids, but be your best self, be able to figure out the, uh, the potential that you uniquely have as yourself, right? That's really the goal. It's not just to be as happy as you can be. It's, now, those are byproducts of it for sure. But I think that uh, you know, a lot of time these, these psychology disciplines are framed to people as like, if you do this, you're going to be happier, as if that's the end game, as opposed to, can I realize who I can be? What's my potential, right? What's my unique charge in this world? And I think if we frame it that way, uh, you know, it, it has much uh, of a higher ceiling. I entirely agree. And I would say that like Rabbi Schiffman said, positive psychology has really matured from a place of how can you be happy to how can you create a life of meaning? And it's really funny because I've been giving workshops on positive psychology for around 10 years now. And I used to start with asking the question, what do you want out of life for yourself, for your children, for your family? And 10 years ago, people would answer, I just want to be happy. And now the answer I get more and more is I want to lead a life of meaning. And I think especially coming from this pandemic, that's what people are looking for. How can I make meaning out of life, out of life's challenges? How can I lead a life that I can look back and I can say, I'm proud of what I did and there's purpose to what I'm doing. And it's nice to see that positive psychology has really matured to the place that a big focus is on leading that meaningful life and a life worth living and using the character strengths and virtues. So, you know, positive psychology looked at typical psychology and said we have the DSM. The DSM will talk about every disorder that's around there. And positive psychology said, we want to create something new. We want to create a research-backed handbook of strengths and virtues. They said all people have character strengths. And there are actually online surveys that you can take to identify what are your character strengths whether it's hope, gratitude, creativity. And when you know what your character strengths are and you use them in situations, then you create a life that is more meaningful for you and for others around you. Right. And that's something that I know at Hafter Middle School we've done with our adult faculty. We had all the adults um, identify their character strength and we had all students do that too. And to be able to say, this is something that I'm naturally good at, that I enjoy doing. 
And this is something that I can use in easy and difficult situations is I think one step of creating a life of meaning and value. And I think that to that end, like also, you know, exposing students to like, this is how to, how to sort of dig to figure out, you know, what do I love to do? When do I feel, and these are like signature strengths conversations, but when do I feel like the most authentic version of myself, right? That that's, it's not something that I'm sort of like, uh, uh, figuring out as much as I'm sort of searching inside myself to just, you know, try to try to do that work of reflection. Now, both of you do uh, tremendous work about how to take the positive psychology framework and move it into a, a Jewish space, whether it's Jewish schools uh, or just Jewish philosophy in general. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're doing that work? Sure. Um, the if, if you read uh, Rabbi Sachs, who passed away, uh, not so long ago uh, in a book that they wrote in his honor uh, called Radical Responsibility and their essays by various scholars in the field. The last essay in the chapter um, by uh, Tamara Wright uh, focuses on the way that Rabbi Sachs uses psychology in his writings. And uh, she writes that there are two people who he focuses on and, and recurring themes throughout. One is, is uh, Aaron Beck, who founded Cognitive Behavior Therapy, and the other is Martin Seligman, who founded Positive Psychology. And what she argues and, and really makes a call for the, for the Jewish education field to do is to create a new Musser in combining the psychology research and all of the, the best theories and practices that are, uh, you know, there's the million dollar, mil, millions of dollars in, in industry that, that go into figuring out how do we improve ourselves? How do we get better? and then being able to map it on and, and show how they overlap with Jewish ideas and, and values, and just as importantly, where they might distinguish and, and differ at their core from, from Jewish values uh, is something that uh, she calls on educators uh, to, in the field to do uh, because there's a tremendous potential for, uh, the, uh, for the combination this, of Torah and psychology uh, to be able to to really help us grow. So the the ideas that we can look at books like that we use in standard like Perke Avos or whether it's Parsha, Mishle, uh, various um, Ag Agadot of the of the Talmud or uh, Musr books in general and be able to say and and realize that the, the core values that are there and the suggestions that are there can go very well hand in hand with some of the modern research in psychology that spends the time, goes the, uh, you know, uh, far enough to give you workbooks and guidebooks and strategies and, and individual uh, ways of, of integrating this into the classroom with, with precision and with, um, with a lot of well thought out uh, interventions uh, is a way that that can really uh, move us into a, a, a best practices of, of implementing positive psychology, character development, social emotional learning. So one thing that I'm working on, and uh, I think Dr. Wurzberg is working on something similar, uh, is uh, ability to specifically integrate for, for me right now uh, in Perke Avos. I um, give a uh, share on Perke Avos in my shul. And as I was doing it, we're four years in, I have, uh, you know, 150 plus hour long shirim on Perke Avos. And as I was doing it, and my psychology brain is 
synthesizing and integrating, um, you know, I, I clearly realize, and it's an obvious point to, to those who are looking for it, is that there's so many overlapping concepts between uh, positive psychology or, or broadly other disciplines of social emotional learning and character development within Perke Abo. So if we, and what I'm working on now and piloting in a, in a few different schools is a curriculum that can and, and does take both high level Jewish concepts as well as the best practices within the field of psychology in order that students can uh, be able to really integrate not just cognitively with uh, with ideas that's important but as well as the more affective uh, training and the reflections and the application to themselves and i think there's a hopefully the tremendous potential that can come out of that. And, uh, you know, there's more, more to come in terms of the ability to overlap it with other uh, disciplines within the Judaic studies curriculum as well. Now, just before we go forward, if, if folks at home wanted to learn more about some of the things that you've uh, been doing, uh, Shiorim or any other resources that you develop, uh, is that a, is that accessible online? Is there a place they can get that? Sure, sure. Um, so I, I have a website called psychedfortorah.com. Um, psyched is a play on psychology and being excited, but psychedfortorah.com. And on there you have uh, all of the uh, uh, weekly essays that I write on psychology and the Parsha, as well as links to audio shirim. And over the summer, I plan on uh, redesigning it and adding the, the Perke Avos uh, elements as well. So links to, uh, and, and you know, be able to connect with me if you want uh, through the website, uh, be happy to uh, discuss anything further. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So both. So Dr. Shivan, you are working on curricula uh, for schools to integrate this type of work. And Dr. Wurtzberger, you work very closely in schools, uh, obviously. So my next the next thing I think I'd like to talk about is, number one, how or what does this look like a positive psychology framework if a school successfully integrates it? And what are the steps to go through to get to a point where it is ingratiated in the culture in the way that we'd want it to be? What I found is that for like positive psychology education and interventions to really be effective, you want to address it on the school-wide level, which means that you don't want a couple of classes here and there doing some positive psych class, doing some character building. You want it to really permeate the walls of the entire school. And the first step I found is always buy-in, buy-in by teachers, buy-in by faculty. And the nice piece is that buy-in for positive psychology is pretty easy. People are in a place where they're looking to lead a life of meaning. And teachers are people who, by nature, want to make an impact in people's lives. And I found that by teaching teachers the principles of positive psychology and having teachers implement some of these interventions on their own first, they become really, really excited about the practice of positive psychology. I think that like Rabbi Schiffman was saying, incorporating positive psychology with Torah and with the Jewish values and ideals and teachings that we have is also a way in which you get everyone excited about it, students and teachers. Now, we had a conversation offline around you don't want this to be like a classroom curriculum only, right? Like it's not like put your books away for the next 40 minutes, we're doing positive psychology, even if it's framed within a peer care vote curriculum or something like that, right? That the ideal is where it's a it's a cultural shift, right? That the whole school, and I love what you said, Dr. Wurzberger, teachers and faculty, meaning it might be classroom teachers, it might be the folks working in the main office. Ideally, we have 
um, you know, people working in the cafeteria, everybody, the, the security guards is aware of what we're doing here and they know how to sort of speak the language and, and uh, you know, buy into it, as you said, Dr. Wurtzberg. And I, one of the things I've noticed in schools is that when you try to have a campaign and you sort of launch it in real time, like we're both rolling out this campaign and learning about what it is at the same time. If you have even one slip up, one one student, you know, it's it's silly or it doesn't fly or, or a teacher can't answer a question, doesn't feel totally fluent in the language. Uh, it can do irreparable damage to the campaign. And so have you found that really doing that back end or, or, or behind the scenes work with the teachers to get buy in well before there is a sort of public turn of the campaign, that that's the effective way to do it? Or do you find that, no, no, let's just jump right into it. Let's all learn about this together, students, parents, teachers, and we're all kind of going on this journey together. Have you found uh, one way versus the other to be more or less effective? That's a great question. I would want total buy-in by teachers before I roll it out to students. And when, when you roll out some interventions in some programs, you're nervous about the reaction from teachers. I don't feel that about positive psychology. I find that when you teach teachers what the principles are, when they're practicing positive psychology, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's a gratitude intervention, whether it's simply learning about awe and resilience and growth mindset, teachers are excited about it. And they'll come back to you a few months later and say, my life has become better because of this. There are times when I remember teaching about, you know, the three good things, which is a very simple gratitude intervention. It's basically write down three things that you're grateful for and try to vary it and really think before you go to sleep at night. And I remember a teacher came up to me and she said to me, I want you to know that I've done this intervention for a year and I've especially done it during the hard times in my life. And it provided such meaning for me because I have my moments when I think three good things, how much of a difference can this really make in someone's life, even though I know the research behind it. And when a teacher comes to you and says, no, this is important, this is powerful, this is meaningful, we need to teach it to the teachers. You know the program and you know this culture will be successful. And that's why I firmly believe, let the teachers and the faculty live and learn positive psychology before bringing it to students. Yeah. And I also think to that point, I think it was a, the first podcast we did here on uh, Startup Day School. We talked about how you cannot fool students. Often often adults can be fooled uh, by certain things, but students can never be fooled and they will spot uh, inauthentic uh, attempts by teachers to do something from a mile away. And so I think what I mean by that is that when teachers are not authentically bought into something, they can't fake it. Students will know and it will translate over. And so I think that's wise counsel. Dr. Schiffman, what are, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, so um, I, I agree. I think that part of the allure of positive psychology uh, is that it is enhancing for the teacher's own lives right? and, and can make the, the classroom so much more enjoyable and, and positive of experience that it's something that has momentum to it and, and teachers can see the inherent value in it. I, I do agree that there is, you know, that without modeling it and without being authentic, it's going to be hard to implement. Um, I would add one uh, one idea in terms of the getting parent buy-in as well uh, can be an added value to the system. Now, all these things are layered. So, you know, Dr. Wurzberger mentioned that it's, uh, you know, to have a, a and, and, you know, focus on school culture and transformation. And, you know, as you mentioned, the security guards and everybody working on it is great. And it's an awesome thing to aspire to. I wouldn't sell short 
the value as well, meaning that, that might sound too daunting for, for people, right? That's a, a really long process. And, and even, even those classes or those, those one-off discussions, I think has added value over not doing anything um, without overselling it, you know, being realistic in what the goal is. So, so A, there's value in that. B, if you get the whole school culture, great. C, if you can bring the parents on board and, and even you know, in a community like uh, that, that's shul-based, you can you could bring the the shuls and the and the the staff of the shuls on board as well. You can really have a whole whole uh, community-wide transformation. Uh, one of the things, speaking of of gratitude, I did my dissertation on a gratitude intervention where with parents. So parents had to write three good things about their children every night, which is. Uh, something that I think a lot of parents sometimes take for granted. We think about children having or supposed to have gratitude for their parents. It's sometimes the shift in roles of a parent having gratitude towards a child is, is, uh, is a little strange to think about. But, but part of my hypothesis was that that could help improve and take away any uh, negative emotions that might come along with the uh, daily struggles of parenting. Um, and, and really the parents had the opportunity to get involved in this positive psychology exercise. So it's important to keep uh, the, the parents in, in mind as well. And, and any intervention that can, can hit all those levels uh, done well is, uh, will have a better chance of succeeding. Yeah, I wonder as a parent myself, if nighttime is the best time for me to write down what, what I'm grateful for for my children. Maybe like afternoon, that might be a better time for me. Or at least, or at least the ideas might be more free flowing. Right, right after they go to school. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, um, this has been amazing. Uh, I, I want to, listen, we could, we could talk about this all day and that would be uh, time well spent. But I think that uh, we've really given folks an opportunity to learn a bit more about positive psychology, all the benefits that it can have, uh, both on an individual level, uh, on a school culture level. And uh, really, I think that this is just the tip of the iceberg, but I encourage folks to uh, explore further um, and reach out to uh, Dr. Schiffman or Dr. Wurzberger if they have uh, more questions about the specific work that they're doing. I also want to say that the outpouring of, uh, first off, listenership has been really overwhelming. I want to thank uh, all the listeners of the podcast for tuning in, uh, not only for this episode, but for others as well. Um, we have been increasingly growing our base and uh, really the feedback has been really great. And with that in mind, I want to create an easier way to give feedback. Um, so with, uh, for that, we have created a, uh, an email account uh, for folks to give uh, feedback, thoughts, any follow-ups about the podcast, uh, dayschoolpodcast at gmail.com. If you want any uh, feedback about the podcast, ideas or whatever, um, we'd love to hear from you, dayschoolpodcast at gmail.com. Again, Dr. Schiffman, uh, it was psyched for Torah, right? Uh, and Dr. Wurzberger, if folks wanted to reach out to, to you for more uh, information, how, what's the best way to do that? Y Wurzberger, W-E-R-Z-B-E-R-G-E-R -E -E at gmail.com. Amazing. Amazing. I want to thank again my guests, Dr. Uh, Mordechai Schiffman and Dr. Yali Wurzberger. Thank everyone for being with us again here on the Startup Day School. And we hope to, uh, hope to have you join us again next time. Have a great rest of the day. That was an amazing podcast. Thank you, Josh. For contact info and links from today's episode, check us out at prisma.org. Follow us on social media at Prisma CJDS. Subscribe to this podcast wherever podcasts are found. And check out the Prisma Knowledge Center, our online place to find resources, templates, articles, reports, and research on all things day school for day school leaders.